All right, man. Yeah, it's been so long since we talked to each other. Um, well, I think you mentioned that you're, uh, you guys are in Vegas. I, when we were in Vegas, we were all in Vegas together one time. I can't. We're a couple yeah, times, one time. Right? Yeah, one time we uh, we were doing a Jaded Thunder. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And I was, uh, I don't know, I was, I was still like infatuated with Lindsay, so I wanted to bring her out wherever I could. So <laughs> I, would, you know, she she came out because we had a few weeks off. I'm still infatuated yeah. with. Don't get her wrong. But we had a, we had a long weekend, so I was like, hey, come out to Vegas, you know. And uh, I thought it was a good time. Yeah, yeah. Man, we, I think we were we were up late that night. I remember getting that drunk per se, but I mean, we just were like up and going like all night. It seemed like. Yeah, every, everything else was good. That we got tattoos at Vince Neil Inc. <laughs> oh, really? Of course, we overpaid for tattoos because it's like shop minimum was like I don't know 150 bucks, and we got initials tattooed on each other, so three letters on each of us on our wrist, and Jeez. that was like a. Four hundred dollar date. Oh my you know, god! Should have been about twenty dollars at your local store. Hey babe, this is the beginning of forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Focus on what's important, man. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, man. Um, so let's so speaking of that, let's let's give a why don't you, if you don't mind give a quick synopsis of you know your first duty assignment all the way to retirement, and then you know just kind of take us through that whole career, and then we'll back up and. Um, hit on some high points. All right. So as every, as every, well, I think you got to start with why I even joined the military. Yeah. And the reason for that was I got in a little bit of trouble and <laughs> I got picked up from my parents, uh, picked me up from jail from court Monday morning after I saw the judge and took me straight to the recruiting station. And in Columbus, Georgia, they were all like in the same station. Yeah, you know, Navy, Air Force, Marines, right there, and they took the earrings out and said, "Here, I don't care what service you're joining, but you're not get, you're not leaving here till you join something." So I was <laughs> like, oh, shit. "So joined the Air Force," and I was like, "Well, if I got to do something for four years, I might as well live the good life." And um, I think my first job, I was supposed to be a crew chief on F-15, was my guaranteed job. Yeah. And then you know, you get into basic, and the basics like oh, I can't remember this dude's name, Gardner or something like that. Yeah, yeah, Warren Gardner probably. Yeah, yeah, I think that's who it was. Yeah, he come around. That's like you know, just dude was a salesman. You know that he was. You know, you're gonna be jumping out of airplanes and banging strippers and and <laughs> shooting guns and tanks. And I'm like, that sounds fun. So I go try out and basically everybody and get get picked up. So I was like, well, if I got to do four years, might as well do something fun. So let me go do this tag P thing. And uh, so then, first duty station was Fort Hood. And I was a horrible airman at Fort Hood. I really right. was. I, um, I have to thank J.C. Campbell. You know Jerry Campbell. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know more. Well, yeah. yeah, I have to thank him for literally keeping me in the service because uh, I was. He was my supervisor for eight years in a row at three Whoa. different locations. Oh, really? So, yeah. So, so he was there at Fort Hood. Then we went to Baumholder, Germany, and then I went to Fort Riley. And then, uh, then I, that's when I split and went down to the 17th uh -huh. and, then, uh, I retired out of the, then I went to the 720th after, you know, you can only do the, the 17th for so long before, um, before I was getting the ultimatum. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so then I went and, uh, down at Herberfield 720th and I retired out of the two, four. So okay. back in 2017. So that's kind of the overview of, of the career. 
Yeah, JC, I, I was in uh JC was in Korea when I was over there. So we got crazy a bunch of times. I think I'm I want to say that uh I went with him and a bunch of other dudes to, to Japan, I want to say. Uh, he I'll have to have him on and uh he can just clarify what I'm thinking about. But yeah, we had, I had a blast with that dude. He's he's awesome, awesome guy. So you, your first assignment, uh Hood. So wait, so you so you PCS from Hood to Germany. Did he go at the same time or was he just there? Or he come later, or how the yeah, hell? Did that I work think it's within. Oh man, I think it was within like a few months of each other. Yeah, you know that we because we ended up going to Riley about the same time too. And uh, <laughs> well, yeah, because it's like a two-year year tour. So if you, I guess if you guys well, we did four years. Year. Oh, four you years did four years. Year? Oh no, yeah, kidding. Four years. Yeah. Yeah, go. I remember him. Well, that, that's another story too. But I remember him. He was deployed to like Kuwait or something. You know, we weren't really doing anything back in '97. Right, right. And he gets a phone call. Richie got arrested. I'm like, oh shit. So <laughs> I, that's what I'm saying. I was one of those airmen that was. I was a supervisor's nightmare. Yeah. And it was all. It was never really like that bad, but yeah. But that one got blown out of proportion. And, well, see, that's the thing about you, man. It's like you when people hear those kind of things, they think the worst, but it's like you, you're like the most like low key laid back, you know, badass dude. I know, you know, like nothing, it, it, no matter what kind of situation we're in, it's always, this is how you are all the time. So like I, when I hear, when I hear you say stuff like you got arrested or you got in trouble, I'm like, it had to be something. It couldn't be that bad. You know what I mean? It couldn't be like you were getting crazy or well, whatever. Right? Just to add a little context to this. When I say it wasn't that bad, I had this little, uh, I had this little car with hydraulics on it and it was about, it was a bouncy car. Right. So when I, I was pulling out of the strip club one night and my brake light, because it was so bouncy, I had like a loose connection. So my tail light was out. So obviously yeah. the cop pulls me over one for the tail light being out, but as a reason to um, pull me over, cause I just pulled out of a strip club. And um, so he probably thought you were drinking or whatever. Yeah. I probably thought I was drinking. Right. So pulls me over yeah. and, um, uh, Turns out I had gotten a speeding ticket while I was on leave when I first joined the, like on the break home between like basic training and, or tech school. And I went on leave, got a speeding ticket and didn't pay my speeding ticket. And I didn't realize I was young back then. I didn't realize that that was get your suspended license. So yeah, oh, got a suspended license. Well, he's like, I got to take you to jail. I'm like, oh, shit. well, when I get picked up the next day from the first sergeant, and they take me straight to the unit, giving me the, the rundown, drug test me, like all kinds of stuff. And I'll, I'll save you all the details, but the short story of it is the police put my name on the bottom of somebody else's police report. So they had pulled a guy over, had like a pound of marijuana and was a DUI. And oh that's, what, that's, what, that's what my name got attached to. So... <laughs> I get to the unit. Oh that's what's going to happen. And it was really just a suspended license that I paid the ticket. And I was, I was good, but yeah, um, like they were ready to kick me out. Like they were running through the, and that's what JC but, got the phone call that I was arrested with a pound of weed. And, and I was a drug dealer around Fort Hood. Like the stories just got blown out of proportion, yeah. you know? So all because the cop, well, he just, he just jotted your name down on that other guy's thing. Yeah. Yeah, he had filled out the, when he was turning his paperwork at the end of the night. He had filled it out on the wrong port. And uh, I, I will say, they made right after about two weeks. They called back to the to the squadron, and um, they said, "Hey, our bad. We messed this up." 
<laughs> you know, it's the least case. they could do. Jesus. Yeah, but <laughs> you know, between that and other things, I, I couldn't wait to to get out of Fort Hood. So I was, I was like, let me go to Germany, volunteer. How? What's the quickest way to get out of Fort Hood? And they're like, volunteer to go yeah. overseas. So I signed up, and like within a week, I had orders. That was and you good. said you were at a bomb holder. Yeah, so I went to bomb holder. Um, I don't remember what unit we supported there. It was armor division. You know, um, I didn't really do anything significant in in Germany as far as the career goes. Yeah. Outside of outside of, we did a little Kosovo Albania fight, oh, and cool. but there really wasn't. You know, we had like the initial invasion, and then just rotations down to Camp Bonstil in Kosovo, and that wasn't yeah. anything significant really that um, that came of that. I think the most significant thing actually was while I was deployed. I had an ALO who liked me, and he got me sent on a TDY back to Aviano to get an F-16 ride. So from nice. a deployment, I got a yeah. So I got an F-16 ride for in a week TDY to Aviano. <laughs> that's awesome. In Germany too, I did. Uh, you know, I, that's kind of transitioned. About the first year or two, I was kind of still a recovering airman, you know, and <laughs> right. I almost got put out there too, and. Uh, then I kind of changed, like turn. I made the turn to to be a yeah. get my shit together, and so I ended up going. To, I went to pre ranger over there in Swainford and passed and got a recommendation to go to school. And then there was there was weird things over there. Like you had to have six months retainability after you graduated school before they would send you. Like there was all yeah. kinds of because it was overseas. So, but that made me get the direction. Like man, I I really want to go to the Rangers, and so then I came. PCS went to uh, Fort Riley, right? Yeah, and I showed yeah. up at Riley. I don't know. I think like October of '98, maybe. No, o- October of '02. I think is about when I got to Riley, somewhere around that time frame. Okay. And what was significant with with JC is we we're out at NTC doing a rotation in like I don't know January of '03. And that's when, you know, the flag, the balloon's going up. We're going to war, right? Yeah. For, oh, yeah. Well, everybody that was in the back, they all picked, they got the first pick of the units they were going to go to support. And so they're like, oh, we're going to 82nd. We're doing this. And we're like. Oh, the guys that were not at NTC you're talking about. Yeah, the guys that were not at NTC, they were sitting back oh. in the tent. They, when the orders come down, they picked which, like their battalions were like, oh, we're going to go support these guys. And we're going to be with the 82nd. We're going to do this. And we're going to jump in and do all this stuff. And it was it was crazy. And me and JC were like, it was me, JC, Timmy officer and, and Nate, Wright, Or not Nate rice. Got, uh, yep. we got like just the shit. They're like, we're bringing up the rear of the gear, you know? Oh man. Um, and it was, we were mad, but we're like, all right. So we're packing out. And it was just so funny because our battalion got sliced from who we were supposed to support. And they needed an extra tank battalion to roll with third idea to the initial invasion and so yeah everybody who picked their assignments got nothing got very little action yeah. and and we did see a lot so that was a good it was kind of nice karma yeah exactly it. yeah they were, they were all kind of forgetting about you and then lo and behold you get up there in the front yeah so tell me about that like you were we were talking about that the other day you said that like you and timmy and jc were getting into it over there yeah the, which uh, real quick i've always said i said this on this podcast before but like the the armor guys that went to Iraq, I mean, you 
you guys really kind of set the stage. You really facilitated kind of movement of U.S. forces around there. Like if it wouldn't have been for you guys like you, you know, nobody else would have probably been doing anything over there. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and I won't, you know, I was I was behind like uh, Shropshire and Crosby, you know, Travis Crosby. Like we were, yep, yep. They, were the, they were the tip that, that was going up from the third idea, and we were right behind him. I remember ripping out Shropshire right after he got in some big fight on like a bridge. Um, yeah, you got a silver star but, for that. Crosby right. got a silver star also, yeah. Yeah, So, but I, I ripped yeah. him out. So I, so I won't act like we were the first guys through the water, you know. Yeah, it was, you know, when we got over there to Kuwait, the uh, our stuff was stuck on the boat. So we didn't have our 113. We didn't have our Humvee with our pallet. We had none of our gear. We had to go borrow stuff. I remember, like, oh in the week before we crossed the border, um, we got a hold of 113, got a jerk to a six pallet. We installed it ourselves into the 113 and got everything everything going on literally borrowed equipment we had one 117 go or one 117 fox that we used and everything else was like hf comms through a 104 or, or back to the top yeah so you know but it, it worked for us so the way it happens we would kind of take turns like jc was the battalion NCIC, and then uh he would you know some days he'd be running the talk and then and i was uh I think I was senior airman, and then uh, Nate and Timmy were both uh, A1Cs. Okay. And so we would just rotate whose who's romad was going to be who as, as we go out and do things. And we got to do a bunch of interesting things. I mean, aside from the fighting, like I was telling you that uh, we found an F-16 canopy over there. Right. That was from one shot down from uh, from first Gulf War and had some captain's name on it. We strapped it to the back of the water buffalo and towed it around with our 113. And got it up to the ASOC, and and it was going to get sent back to that guy. That was kind did of funny. Did he ever? Um, did he ever uh, get the? Did he ever receive it? Did he ever get it? I don't know that. Uh, JC might know that if you have him on, because uh, it was one of those things where they shouldn't shift it off. And um, other things that were probably notable, we had. Uh, remember when Geraldo was over there and got in trouble for briefing? Like <laughs> we had our, we got our pictures. We had just taken pictures with Gerardo. He was briefing our rock drill on TV <laughs> right when he got kicked out of country. So, Did he uh, get kicked out because uh, he was giving away too much? Like, I mean, that's yeah, not that a good he, idea. He's straight up rock drill. What we were going to do. Yeah, that's basically, that's what basically <laughs> what he did. He just straight up was like, "Hey, here's what the, this unit's going to move around and do all this." And they're like, "Yo, you can't say all that." Like scrap that mission, scrap that plan. Let's start. Did you guys execute the plan, or were you just like, well, let's just give it a shot? I don't even remember. To be honest with you. Um, but the the one the one thing that we did that you know significant um, was, and I like to tell the story because of Timmy himself. But we were, we did this thing called a fake mission, and we were supposed to be a decoy to move up to the town of Alhilla, and we were supposed to draw like two enemy brigades out of Karbala to over to Ahila because we wanted to be like we were the main effort. And then the, the mil then we were supposed to move through Karbala and up to Baghdad. And mm -hmm. that plan worked, but it worked too good in the aspect of we left out that morning, rolled straight up, and we drew them down to us. And then we got literally got blocked in. So oh, no. the fight started like uh, it was literally like game on. We're in a 113 sitting in between, right behind the commander, and they're all in Abrams because it was a tank battalion, right? Yeah. 
And uh, right, right. it was about 10 feet, 10, I say 10 feet, 10 meters from the tank. A, uh, i trying to think of the name, 122 millimeter artillery shell goes off. Oh, yeah. And that's, so they, and it, it literally blows us out, like blows us off. And it was so movie esque when you think about, like, you couldn't hear anything except for pot, like just a solid ring. And you're looking around, oh, and it's like dust. Yeah. It's like it's slow motion, really. You're like, so, man, is this really happening? And I'm looking, I'm, I'm searching the guys and take, hey, are we okay? And uh, everybody was fine, but that was the start of the fight. And so we were just being ambushed from both sides of the road. So I'm calling in airstrikes, and Timmy is, uh, you know, he's just shooting every everything we can. And yeah. the, the small gist of the story is that we run out of ammo. So we get down to like, last mag in the in the entire and we had cases of you know ammo in the in the track with us yeah we get down to literally last mag timmy's like he gets on the radio so timmy gets on the radio and he calls the 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 s3 so he was in the tank behind us he's like hey you got anything and they're like yeah yeah we got some because they're just buttoned down that was the other thing too they're in the tank just hatches buttoned down yeah shooting they don't you know it didn't matter to them and we're right. in this one one three that literally had it gets shot all up. It's got bullet holes all in it by the time this battle's over. And so I use my last mag and cover Timmy and he gets out and runs like a hundred yards, like through bullet fire. He's getting shot at both sides of the road, grabs this, grabs the ammo, runs back and, and dives back into the track. And then we rearm and are able to continue to fight. And, um, you know, for him to do that as an A1C, he got a bronze star with Valor as an A1C. And that's Man, pretty it almost seems like it should have been a little more, maybe, you know, for putting himself in harm's way you know, like that, you know. He put himself in harm's way, and you know, we I forget this write up, but we had like at least six confirmed kills, you know, through yeah. through that fight of just like small arms fire. And because those dudes are within did you guys you know 50 yards of us uh, on both sides of the road. So. You guys have a 50 on top or anything, or no? Yeah, we had we had a 50 cal, and that guy was and, and the army guy, and he was unloading and shooting when he could. You know, and then uh, yeah, yeah. ultimately they ended up running out of ammo also, and there wasn't much you could do about it. Um, so yeah. it resulted to uh, Apaches coming in. When, when, I, when I had Apaches coming in doing gun runs, that kind of ended the, the our up-close battles, you know. Yeah. But it was, it was probably, I don't know, it was probably like a six-hour fight. It was it was a good one, though. And I, wow. I remember, I just remember when it was done, like you're tired, like the adrenaline that, you know, the adrenaline was over, and you're like, oh, man, I'm just going to take a nap. <laughs> so a lot of guys so talk about really, that yeah it's it's a real thing i guess so yeah um laying down taking a nap while they're clearing some uh they had already they had already cleared the the, the buildings and they were just doing sse and i was like you know i had airplanes checked off so i was like all right i'm just gonna chill for a second and gunshot rings out like boom i wake up i'm like what the hell and uh the uh commander's calling over the radio What's going on, Air Force? You guys got contact? And I look up, and Timmy is standing there with his nine mil like this, and smiling. And he's like, "Damn, I'm more accurate with my nine mil than I am with my F4." He just popped off around and shot a stop sign just to see what <laughs> what we can get into. <laughs> and I'm like, Timmy, <laughs> you know, it's a war zone, but you can't just like, shoot anytime you want. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when they're doing SNC and he just pops off around at a stop sign <laughs> and just didn't look, he was just excited. He was like, damn. 
So, well, I mean, it's something to be uh, like, you know, you got in that scrape and then all, you know, you guys made it out and he was probably like pretty amped up still, you know, like pretty, uh, yeah, pretty yeah. excited. There was another time when we got a, so I guess like a frog seven missile, just hit it, hit one of our talks and killed some people. So they were like, Hey, be on the lookout. Well, we found three of them in the woods, like set up in their, in their orchards, ready to go. Really? And so we pulled up to them and they were. Either they saw us coming or they were whatever, but they were abandoned. Like we didn't have any engagements there, but what we did yeah. have is um, one, the, the batteries wouldn't start. So they ended up towing it. And then I got to drive one nice. and then there was another. So, so we're driving and we go take these three frog seven missiles with missiles on them. Right. And drive under this big intersection on the highway. And, and then what, what goes through my mind at the time was, uh, I just hear this F six or F eighteen above me, just circling right above me. Oh man, I didn't even and, think about that. Yeah, so he was circling right above me, and I was like, I got up on guard, and I was like, Hey, <laughs> any any F eighteen over this location, grid coordinate? These friend, these are friendlies in this frog. Do not engage. Oh. You know? Did I was going to hold of them or? Uh... Um, well, they didn't engage us. And thank God. So, but it was a yeah. Oh man. Dude, so where'd you end up taking them to? They took them to this intersection, and then at that point, we had did a battlefield handover, and they so it was like a big highway intersection. We we parked all three of them next to each other, and then we moved on and pushed on with the fight. I'm not sure when if we handed over to the people behind us and just okay. continued because this was on the way up to Baghdad, so it wasn't like we were we were stopping anywhere for any significant time. Right, right. You know, yeah. So you so basically, you guys were just. I mean, it was, it's kind of like you see in the movies. I mean, you just keep pushing and pushing. You know, you may get in some uh, maybe a battle here or a fight here, and then you just deal with it and just keep going on. Yeah, that's how it was. I mean, we we held up. I'm, I can't remember the first two or, two or so weeks into it was the first time we even got a shower. We found some bus station, this Greyhound bus station that we held up in the night. <laughs> and got showers. It felt so good. But we went all the way up to the airport and stayed at the airport, you know, one of the terminals there. Wow. Did you guys get in any uh, any other significant uh, battles or anything or any, anything before or after you dropped off the frogs? There was there was more skirmishes, but nothing to the level of of that. Yeah, of that one of the one in that hill. So were you were the four of you still together in that one one three or was JC and somebody? No, in, so, um, no it was me and Timmy somewhere in the else. Yeah, it was me and Timmy in the one one three, and JC was in JC and Nate were at the talk. So oh, okay. So we had rolled back like, I mean, a couple miles away, right? We just pushed forward to, from from the talk that morning just to do the decoy mission. Okay. And, I mean, but yeah, I mean, there was lots of other, you know, small engagements that took place. Um, sure. Even after Shropshire, you know, after that bridge incident where he got the Silver Star, there was still, I mean, you still had burning bodies laying all over the place because they just smoked them and then they rolled on, right? So sure. we got to deal with the people coming to recover them. Uh. And, so that was still, and they weren't always friendly. I'm sure, you know. No, no, that was, there, there was there was many more little gunfights that happened after that. Not to the tune of that they had to deal with. They left they left a lot of people laying around, but they got basically ambushed in an intersection by a bridge. Yeah, you know. So that was a good that was a good fight for them guns. So you got to Baghdad or you got to the airport. How long were you in Iraq? I mean, how long did all that take to get up to up to Baghdad? Well, once we got established in Baghdad or at the airport. I remember being there at least another month where we were, you know, I mean, cause we even got put on like burn duty, you know, and we were, and I remember traveling around this, we were traveling around Baghdad downtown 
you know, with soft, soft Hummers with no, you know, no doors on. Like this is before IEDs were really a threat if you think about it. Yeah. yeah. And then when people started having IEDs and started shooting, that's when we started armoring up the vehicles. But none of our vehicles were armored when we took them over there. Um, I think I probably got back from that deployment and like, so the, the fight was really in March started it. That fight was in April, like the first day. I think it was that first day, of April. And then yeah. by the time we got to Baghdad, I think I got home in like July. Like it wasn't, it wasn't crazy. It was June, July time frame we came home yeah. from the first deployment. Ended up going back like the next year. So that was July. Ended up deploying again in 04. Um, then I did. That, this one was eight months, but I did like back to back. I did a four month one down in Armadi, mm-hmm. and then, and it was fairly insignificant, you know. As far as there was some missions that we did, there was we covered a down helicopter. That was not a good site, you know. It was they had a, I'd say a fifty three went down, but they were carrying a bunch of ammo and and that like oh, pilots were still in the seats, you know. You could see, like it was bad. We had to secure the site until they because we were the closest people, so they sent us out to secure the site until yeah. they could come to cover it, but. After the deployment to Armani, I ended up staying and going up to Baghdad and got into the Fallujah 04, the November Fallujah 04 fight. So that was good. I needed to do, I was getting divorced at the time, so I needed to stay and make money. So I was like, I'll volunteer to do another. So I did like eight months over there. Little did you know it was going to be Fallujah <laughs> yeah. when you went over. <laughs> right. It was the second Fallujah. So you had a spring 04 and then the November 04. And you no. Know, yeah. That was a how was that, that? That was another interesting day. Um a lot of death. You know, we lost a lot of Marines in that fight. I you know the thing, and I don't I'm not a you know a, a planner that but one of the things I remember that didn't make sense to me was we basically cordoned off the city and gave them like three days to leave. So there was all the civilians were trying to get out, you know, because they knew it was gonna be a bad fight. And the thought was, hey, anybody that stays is staying to fight but i think about how many high level bad guys got out right they didn't want to stay there and just get smoked there so they're like they're gonna bug out and maybe try to fight another day yeah and that was just daily mortar fires just you know it's, it's so weird because and you know what i'm talking about how unsensitive we get to things when it's sure. just repeating right so we took mortar fire from the OP because we we're out at this little OP and at least a dozen times a day, you would take mortar rounds to where it's like, it would hit close and splash up mud on the, on the windshield of the Humvee. You'd be like, Oh, that was close. I'm going back to sleep. <laughs> you know, like it wasn't, you just get desensitized to, to that. Yeah. But that was, Man. that was a good one. I got, I got called in some airstrikes in that and, and, you know, earned my keep during that battle too. Yeah. So then, how long were you on the OP? Like, it seems like it was a couple of weeks. You know that we were doing that. It seems it seems like the the fight was like all in November, but I don't think it lasted a whole month. You know, it just seemed like it because we were out there for the whole quarter off the city, and then right. Um, but that was just you know clearing through the city of Fallujah. That just like I said, we lost a lot of people on that one. I mean, we yeah. obviously we won the battle, but we took sure. a lot of casualties. Was it um, just we didn't? I so I try to always figure out, or I try to think about like how we lost all the casualties. Was it just the situation, like coming into the city? I mean, 
anytime you're in an urban environment like that and you're going house to house, I mean, it's, you're just waiting. It's, it's easy for the enemy to attack as opposed to you defending, you know, like you're just, exactly. you're and that's, anywhere that's what it was. you had, uh, we were basically going door to door clearing houses. Right. And yeah, you go up the stairs and they got the high ground on you. So, right. you know, dudes were, we were losing dudes getting shot in the stairwells, um, in the streets, they'd be out on the rooftops shooting down as you move through. You were just, they just constantly had the, uh, the advantage. Sure. And you couldn't just go in and blanket airstrike, right? It's, it's urban. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, that, so it's, you know, you know how it is. It's real, it's real tough to fight that urban fight, yeah, especially is. when you're not fighting. Uh, by this time, I would say we, you know, we were not fighting like the Republican guard. You were fighting a little. Yeah. It's more like an insurgency at that point rather yeah, than uh, you were fighting like force force. Yep. So guys with RPGs and AKs and, and, and how hard it is to, to fight onesies and twosies. Oh, it's, Almost you know? impossible. And that, I'm sure that's why the, we lost so many guys because, you know, you look at a guy and he's like, well, is that – he looks – the bad guys look just like the good guys. So, you know, if he's not holding something at that point, he's a good guy. Right. And then he can just pick up a, an RPG or a rifle later on and now he's a bad guy. So, yeah, it's yeah, it's such a impossible situation. Yeah. Yep. So it's – from that aspect, it's like, man, this is – but – Ultimately, we ended up winning, and and I went home. I was home by Christmas of that year. So yeah, and then, uh, nice. but then I ended up going to the seventeenth by June of '05. So I had okay. by that time I had transitioned and went down to seventeenth. So you were in. Uh, you came from Riley, and you got. I think at that point, were we still doing? We weren't doing selections then. We were still doing like uh, you did your own yeah, kind of selection. Was, like I'm not. I'm not afraid to admit that I was still part of the paper selection package that went in. <laughs> right. You know. Hey. So, I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't like somebody just looked at you and was like, "Hey, come on over." I mean, I everybody had to kind of do their own physical and you know stuff at the. Oh yeah, you had to test. You had went. to go do like the the three PT test three days in a row. Run the ten yeah. mile. You know, you had to do all the things that the twelve mile rug for time. Right, I had to right. do that, but I just didn't go through the, the week-long assessment that they do now. Right. I would like to think that I still would have made it if I had went through the assessment, but <laughs> you know, you never know. I know it's, it's, it's getting challenging, but I like it. Uh, it has morphed into, it, it was started as kind of rough, but now I guess I was talking to Kevin and he was saying it was pretty wire tight. I mean, it's pretty, well, I don't, he was either him or somebody was saying that it was very objective. You know what? There's no like feelings involved. There's no like, you know, if a guy doesn't like you, you know, he can't just get you out now. So, um, uh, not that, that I'm not saying that that happened, but now it's real objective. Did you meet these, you know, this criteria? Okay, cool. Then you, you move on or whatever. So I think it's, a, I think it's, it's exponentially better than it started or whatever. But. The one thing that they're doing is that's almost proven to be, fact is that whatever the psych says they take the psych recommendation very serious and their record their, their record has been like all the guys that the psych said don't take that we took became problem people really yeah huh for the most part that i saw i mean i guess that makes sense i mean there's probably red flags that these guys just see you know the psychs are like no i mean that's we've seen this a hundred times it always happens this way don't take this guy and it sucks too because that could be the one thing that stops the guy from going. You know, he may be in stellar shape and just a great JTAC and you know just an awesome guy, but he has that one, you know, mental deficiency if you want to call it, 
and that yeah and we're like ah just <laughs> he can get over that but usually that's the thing you can't get over is that mental well that's what they do. it's usually like you know they find a way to figure out if you're going to be a, a team player if you can if you're going to be successful as a team member and not just yeah. as a as an individual right and then whether or not you have tendencies of like you got a temper and you're trying to fight a lot or something like that like they figure yeah. all that stuff out it's like about yeah and then whether or not you have the cognitive ability to to do the task that you know that you have to do at that level right like control five or six assets at once or you know, integrate them into a detailed special operations plan or some sort. Yeah. yeah, I mean, think about it. Not that that tech piece schoolhouse was easy, but as long as you were strong and you didn't quit, you were going to pretty much make it through. Pretty much, yeah. Right. So <laughs> yeah, you really had to, and with and with good reason because like we're, you know everybody was kind of young at that point, so they know who they're getting at that point. So, so you got to the seventeenth, and you went right to third battalion at that point, or yeah. Um, so I I, did, I went to Charlie Company third battalion, and. um Love my time there. I mean, I got to. That's one of the things I liked about Ranger that was different than the the ODA style mm-hmm. guys is like we were integrated with our with the with the army, integrated with the team. Um, yeah, I mean, I literally had a desk in their office. <laughs> right. You know, so it's I would do PT with them. Like we we were just integrated as a team, and they trusted me as as much as they trust their own guys. And sure. And that that reciprocated downrange with with the, the missions that we were doing, versus. And I'm not saying it's the case, but I hear it over and over from SF dudes. You know, you show up and the first time you meet your teams in country, on a lot of times, and yeah, you know, sometimes they don't like you. Sometimes they do. You always gotta right. you show up and you have to earn their respect. Versus, right. I, I used you know I earned their respect in garrison, so they knew by the time that we were deployed, they didn't have to see whether or not I was going to meet the task. And it wasn't even so much that it was like where's Richie? Like we're deploying where, where's, where's my yeah. JTAC? Like he needs to come yeah. with us. They, it was more like asking for the specific dude. You know, and that's a good point. Cause SF guys would, do, I've heard of people doing that. Like ODAs will be like, Hey, where's this guy? I've worked with him before. And unfortunately there's not enough JTACs to go around for OD. Cause there's a, a ton of ODAs um, and they couldn't get the guy, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, I, I wish I, and I, you know, when I was, in a, in a leadership position there, I was always tr- trying to find a way to outfit every ODA with a JTAC. But I mean, there's so many, it's just impossible. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not, we would, it, we'd have to make them. I don't know. I, I I think the numbers are just too, too great to, to make that happen, but you're right. The rent with the Rangers, it was like, that's that construct. The way we did it was kind of alleviated all that need to even, even like a personality thing, you know, you didn't even have to like try to figure out, is how was this guy, you know, cause you were, you talked to him all the time. You probably drank beer with him down at uh, Scruffy Murphy's or something, or, you know, I mean, so. You'd be at barbecues at the commander's house and like, they all trust. Right. You. Right. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I, I like personally, I've always liked the uh, kind of the, the structure and discipline of the Rangers um, yeah. versus SF, you know, but that's just a personal preference. For sure. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, uh, and that's a good point because there's a lot of guys that would prefer it the other way and thrive and do great mm-hmm. things. And there's guys like us who, you know, kind of fit in there uh, for me, I, I can speak for about myself. It, I needed that structure to keep me in line. Kind of, you know what I mean? Like, it was like, Hey, yeah. this is, this is what we expect yeah. of you. I'm like, okay. And uh, now I got some left and right, you know, limits, you know, and, uh, kind of kept me in line a little more than I think if I'd have been left to my own devices at some sort of ODA or, and that more lackadaisical when I was younger, obviously, but 
I think it would have been maybe a little different, but yeah, I, I like the structure. And from the mission, I like the direct action versus, hey, you guys want to go ride around in a convoy and see if we get shot at today? You know, oh my God, I know. Yeah, I'm with you. Oh, I'd much yeah. rather have them on the objective and, and take the fight to them than, sure. than react to contact. Yeah. And that's not saying they didn't have missions. They did go do missions, but for sure. I spoke to so many dudes that were at the that supported ODAs, and they're like, "Yeah, man, sometimes we just went and look for fights." Yeah, you know, with very little. And what I didn't like about it was um, they had very little air support. You know, like we every time we went out, you know, you had like like I said, like four or five assets on station. With them, it was like you might have some artillery, or you maybe you might have a right. an ISR platform. So. That, that's absolutely correct. You know, it's you, you know what we used to get. And the dedicated lines every night versus, you know, they had one gunship to support all the ODAs in the country. Yeah. And we would get two gunships every night. Right. Exactly. You know? I know. I know. But they uh, had some really good deployments with the Rangers. Um, to crit was a really good one. And that was kind of back in, aside from the initial invasion, when the, when the fight was on, you know, mm-hmm. 06 to 08 in Iraq was, 07 specifically, was just good years for fighting. You know, we yeah. were still chasing big, big game guys. And there was just, you're going on a mission every night. It made the deployment go by quick. And you were just getting it every night. Versus later on, you know, by the time I was leaving, I left in 11. And I just remember sitting over there like, geez, like you might go a week without going on a mission. It's like, why, why are we still here? Why are we doing this? <laughs> right. <laughs> Not like it was in the beginning. Does anything stand out to you when you were at, at battalion? Um, like when you're doing those missions, like uh, where they all just, or they all just kind of run together. I mean, which that's kind of way it was for me. I mean, it, I don't it's just, I mean, I remember particular missions that we got into that were really, well, so there, there's like, there's this one mission that we called, I think the chicken coop. And um, it was, that was one that stood out because we, we did offset infill, walked in and there was a uh, basically a foreign fighters sitting on top of it. The, there was four chicken coops, two two like here running east to west, and two running east to west across like a fifty yard field. And they're big long buildings that literally were chicken coops. And they had uh, these foreign fighters on the top of them. And so we set up on one side and then maneuvered a unit around to the other side. And the snipers got up on the roof and they sniped the Roman guard. And that woke everybody up. And as soon as that happened, our guys went up on top of the rooftop and killed those guys on the rooftop. Yeah. Well, that drew some attention that we weren't expecting. And this is why I love the Rangers. They had a, we had a young private pulling rear security. And while the fight was definitely facing the other direction and we were, that's where everybody was shooting. Like we were all shooting. Everything was going down. And this run Rangers pulling rear security and what happens, like, out of nowhere comes these three guys up from, to try to get us from behind. And he's like, contact. And he shoots the guy. And I duck under him. And then we shoot him. And then, so we kill two. And then chase one into the uh, into the chicken coop. But had he not been doing his job, like, how easy would it be to take your attention oh. off the rear when everybody's fighting with your, you know, behind you? And you're like, I want yeah. some action, too. But this dude, this dude maintained his discipline and kept, kept rear security. Oh, man, I and love it. And so we ended up going to the chicken coop and um, I remember going online and walking. I'm like literally kicking thousands of chickens out of the way. Like they're just everywhere <laughs> and it's dark. And this, we get to like the last pylon and 
we like we know he's in there because we saw him he goes he went through the door yeah and he just happened to pop out right in front of me and i got to canoe the dude from like two feet away oh and, my god <laughs> and it was it was pretty interesting uh, and <laughs> the fact that it's on video too so oh yeah so we had combat camera guy you know they they were attached to us and he was he he saw the fight or he got video of the fight from the rear security stuff. It was pretty good. So it kind of made that, okay. you know how we used to do those end of deployment films? Yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> the, the deployment wrap ups. So it made it yeah, into yeah. one of those pretty good. Oh, it did. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's the thing, man. You just but, never know when stuff like that's going to happen. You know I mean? Like Tom it, Case, he calls it probably, wrong place, right time or whatever. But yeah, just it's always timing, man. I, it's, it's not that any one of us have ever been any better than the other dudes. We just, you just get lucky. You never know when the yeah. enemy is going to pop up and fight. And, Yep. As long as you're not backing down, everybody's going to have the same result. Right, right. There was there was other ones. We had suicide vests. We had, uh, I mean, there was one funny story I remember that was, we had, like, my second or third year, it, it's probably my second year at Charlie Company, there was a new commander that, that came in, and I don't know his name, and I wouldn't say it if I did, but I didn't like him, and nobody liked him. He was just a dick. Aww. Right? Yeah. And so, and you know me, man, I can get along with anybody. And right. this dude was just a dick. Yeah, if you're calling him a dick, if you're if you're you're yeah. not getting along with him, then there's something wrong with the dude for sure. And you know, keep in mind, I'm only like a tech or staff at times, so I'm. It's not like I'm anybody compared to this captain that was the company commander. And um, anyways, what I remember though was he SSC in a house, and he's walking around the outside, and we're just about to go, and he falls into a shit hole, which was like an eight foot shit hole right on the side of the house. And oh, literally man. underwater, bleep, and we have to pull them out oh. of a shithole. Oh. And it was like, it was satisfying because it's like, yeah, you got what you deserve. <laughs> of all the but people to go in there, but that was it the was the commander of all the people. And then, um, I thought made me think of another story too, but the uh, of all the people, so then, but then he, we had to ride on the helicopter back with him, you know, and he's literally oh, smelled man. like shit. And then this dude. Just to show that, like, when I say this dude was a dick, he put his dirty shit laundry into the laundry with everybody else's, and it ruined everybody's laundry. You know, instead of just throwing away his clothes, he put it in with everybody else's clothes. Yeah. That reminded me of a story, though. We were, there was one mission. We were out chasing some foreign fighters, and uh, this is one where the little birds were shooting, you know, doing uh, squirter control with their M4s. You know, outside. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they got a guy, and we had a sniper setting up on OP. And what it was was this this bad guy and his wife, who was pregnant, um, took over some house in the village. And they, you know, just kind of held up the house and was like, hey, we're staying here. And yeah. we had, because we were chasing him. So went in and got him. He fled out into the vineyard. Ultimately, he got his one of his nuts shot off by the little bird gun runs and oh my God. His, yeah. And his pregnant wife picked up a gun and walked across the windows and the sniper shot her. So they Jeez. killed her and cause she had a gun. And, um, so we're like, dude, you're having a bad day. You know, you got not only is your wife and, and kid passed, but now you got one testicle. That was, that was a bad day. Oh my god! Why I don't know what makes them do that. Like, 
and I was kind of talking to somebody else about this, like the kind of the sanctity of life thing where they don't, they don't think about the, any kind of future at all. They're not like, like that lady, she's, you know, has a baby. It's like, maybe just chill out. You maybe just hold, you know, just maybe just give up, you know, be treated, you know, but she was like, nope, I'm going to take the fight to him. And man, it's unfortunate, you know, the, and it, a, I've always said that too. It's hard to fight somebody that doesn't have a regard for life. Like the Americans, right. like, like, like we have a regard for life. Like, not that we won't go to fight anybody, but you don't see Americans blowing each other up like suicide vest. You don't, we don't do exactly. that. Right. Cause we right. value life. They, you can yeah. look at how many martyrs sign up for that stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's it's yeah. It's because they, they get in that line of bull that, you know, if you do it, then you're going to be rewarded. And it's like, so the, people just line up around the block to do that kind of stuff. And it's like, no, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's, tra it can be tragic like that lady, you know, yep. <laughs> but, and there's, so, I mean, do you think that guy got his nut shot off by the guy with M4 in the bird or, did, or, or their guns on the bird? No, he like got the, shot off on it. The, 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 they shot him with the little bird guns, not the, not the M4. They were just doing say, containment fires with the M4. Nah, it was the, uh, it was the mini guns. Like 760 or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah, that was a bad day for me. Man. That was bad as the guy that, another instance, we chased a guy. He went down in a creek and we were like, couldn't find him, but the, the sensors overhead were spotting him and they could find him. So we talked yeah. him on. He was hiding in the creek, like just barely breathing out of the water with his trough. So we, we pulled him out, hog tie him, and we go get his buddy like 100 meters down. And our, we had dogs with us you know you know how mean those dogs were oh yeah dogs right relentless so, so we go down get the other guy out and then as we're tying the other dude up that dog takes off and runs back like the 100 yards and gets a cold of the other guy's leg that's hog tied and just oh really and we try to, yeah so we try to chase him down but you know it's like 10 seconds 10 15 seconds to get the 100 yards running in right. full kit and that dog. Oh yeah, good, he's way ahead of you. He had a good fifteen seconds of just buffet on that guy's leg, and then that caused issues because literally we had to life flight the guy. They got into his. He just tore up the back of his like his femoral artery in his leg. Oh jeez. He was bleeding out. What made the dog go back to that guy? He wasn't a threat. I don't know. He just didn't like him. You know. <laughs> you know when they were just barking. I, like, I think oh, you know yeah, what because we were cutting him out of the water, he tried to kick at him. You oh, know, okay. So, so he already had. You know, a, he, already, he didn't like the dog like barking down on him, and you know the the guy the handlers got him. He's like doing all this, saying "fooey," all his different things that he says. But but he went back and got yeah. that guy. You don't think you don't think about a dog like holding a grudge or like having some memory like that, but they do. They they remember. You, kick him, you know, as you're coming out of the water. Like, as we were restraining him, he went kicking and fighting, and he kicked the dog. You know, so. nah, not good. But, there's, I mean, dude, there's a million of those stories. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure you could just, like, one would lead to the other. I mean, it just – there's so much that happens when you're deployed that you don't even think about, that you just forget yeah, almost forget. as soon as it happens. But mm -hmm. um, After I left Charlie Company, at some point, you know, they had I went to Recce and did a yep. deployment with Recce. And then from, and that's when you were in charge of RRC at the time or RD at the time. Yeah. And you were going to pull me over, but I had to, Mark Foster got dibs in front of me. Oh, I did? <laughs> yeah. What was but, the deal? Talk me through that. I don't remember that. 
I don't know. You had, going uh, on? I was on recce. You were going to pull me back. You were like, hey, man, I'm going to be in your supervisor. You're going to come over to RD when you get back from deployment. Oh, then, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I do remember that now. Yeah. Mark had to – in fairness, he was completely in – he'd been there so much longer than me. That, yeah, a little you know, bit more seniority, yeah. Yeah, he was, he was yeah, deserving. He was deserving. I remember I kind of felt bad about that too because I, I hate telling somebody something and then, you know, being trumped by somebody else, you know. And I'm like, well, I yeah. just told this guy he was coming, so no. But how long – so how long after that did we get you back over there? Uh, I did like one more deployment. Okay. So it was – Within you know, and within the year. Okay. Oh, that's I good. I think I went to RD in like 2008. Okay. Something like that. So it had been about three years of battalion, and then between battalion and recce, and then then over to RD. So you can talk about whatever you want for RD, but um, uh, what I remember is, and we kind of talked about this already, but there's very few people in this in this world, let alone our small community, that have um a combat military freefall jump. And uh, I remember we're like, I said, we we're talking about it. I remember we all came into work one day. I can't remember exactly what the details of the whole thing were, but you were gone. Like you had, nobody knew where you went uh, or maybe somebody did. I didn't know where you went. Um, and it was just one of those things where you, it was like something we needed. They needed a team and you guys went and it was very hush hush. And, can you talk about any of that stuff, or is that still uh, classified? Or do you want to I talk? Know any, I wouldn't know any difference, and I can generalize it and just say that, um, yes. Yeah, so we we did get a, a jump mission, and you know we trained for it for a little bit, and um, the the part that was tough for guys for the other guys is you know we all. We're all happy for each other, but you're jealous of each other at the same time when sure. somebody gets something else, right? For and sure. when you train a mission, like like a level one train up and how many jumps you do training in, in garrison, you know, you hope that one day you're going to get to do that. And right. and I just was fortunate. We talk about timing. And on my first R&D deployment, I got to go do that. Yeah. And it's like dudes have been doing years on the teams and didn't get to do it. Yeah. And it's, I just got lucky, so. You know, I remember Mark Foster being like, I freaking hate you, but I'm glad for you. <laughs> right. You know? That's, I think we all felt that way. Yeah. Like, yeah. man, that'd been awesome to do, but we're, you know, we're happy for you. Yeah. Can you talk about yeah, any that details the, or like, was it just, uh, a, was yeah, it so even, we, sometimes those are just not there. It's a combat jump, but it's not like a, uh, like a static line combat jump where you're under fire or whatever. It's probably, it's more because by de by definition, that military freefall mission is a, is a supposed to be a more clandestine infiltration rather than a, you know nobody yes, should know you're there i guess that's kind of the gist of it so we uh yeah. we jumped into we jumped in our airspace right yeah and and, and we did a hey ho hey ho it wasn't really a hey ho we jumped to seventeen thousand, but it was down in south uh it was like two hours south of kandahar so it was down in okay. barishaw which is like on the packy border so um and then we had we the team sergeant tandem and somebody, and then, nice. um, well, you already know this. I got messed up on that jump, and, and I hate to, you know, you hate to admit it. Like, oh yeah, I got messed up, but yeah, about, <laughs> I think seven of the eight guys got pretty messed up, but I was the worst by far. Um, oh man! So I, so it started with this though. I, I think the reason was this: when we we rehearsed and we planned, and. There was no, we had a hard time getting imagery of this location. 
like we had to literally put in requests we say to get the, industry, the imagery and the stuff we had was kind of dated yeah and so we picked a we picked a dz a primary dz or lz and uh yeah dz we picked, picked a dz and that was the plan and we we're going to go from there and we're literally plain side just re-enlisted a guy on the ramp um plain side after we're jocked up and like the s2 drives out hey we got uh we got isr overhead right now you can't you need to find your push your alternate dz that's a bedouin camp so right where we planned on jumping was a bedouin camp so we're like all right push the alternate dz well the alternate dz on imagery looked like a dry riverbed and it was not a dry riverbed it looked like a washout in the grand canyon you know you'd be like flat for 10 feet and then like an eight foot dip down fingers just a, it was just horrible and oh um, man and to the tune of when when we, we were doing the debrief and the the u28 guys were arguing with each other the pilots were arguing back and forth they're like that can't be where they're jumping look at it and <laughs> oh my god like no i'm telling you good. i confirmed the grid with them this is where they're jumping and so because their mission was they were going to sparkle the lz force for oh, the dc nice. and uh and so they did but you know with them with them being overhead, they're they're like, dude, that's that's gonna hurt, and it did. <laughs> and so, the last thing I remember was coming in on final, and I was right behind the team sergeant, and uh, and he was you know, like the tandem, and he. Uh, next thing I know, like I remember flaring, and then the next thing I know, I wake up, and I see a parachute in front of me. My helmet's off my head. My nods are broke, and and I'm like, I look around, and I'm like, oh, mountains. I was like, huh? And I thought I was in Arizona. I thought we were in Arizona doing a level one train up. <laughs> and, oh my god! Yeah, I didn't know where I was. So, <laughs> and then I hear, I pick up my headset, and I put on my radio, and I hear the U28s, and I'm like, well, they never come to Arizona. This is weird, right? Like. <laughs> <laughs> so it was weird and then i hear the, the team starts calling me with radio he's like hey where are you at where are you at and i i'm like i don't know i told him i thought i was in arizona and so, oh my god so he's like turn on your strobe turn on my strobe and he's like oh i see you you're just right there but i was only like 50 feet from him but it was like on a, a 50 feet below him you know just oh the watch out there and i guess i had come in and tumbled pretty hard and so they made us jump full body armor, knee pads and helmets along with the rucksack, right? And generally we wouldn't jump all that. You would just you know what it's like when you're training that. Yeah, yeah. And, but it's a good thing I did put on knee pads because I shattered both knee pads. And I never shattered knee pads before, but I shattered Yeah, I've never even pads. seen that happen before. Yeah. yeah. Um so if I wasn't wearing knee pads, I probably would have been a medevac and ruined the mission. Um my helmet, though, this is where the concern was. Like, I broke the nods off the front. I smashed the, the strobe on top of my helmet was smashed. Both sides, like you call sign side on the helmet and the flag side, both had like scratches to where it was like wore through the call sign patch. And then the back of my helmet had a gash like four inches long and like a quarter inch thick, like in the Kevlar. What? Like it gashed straight up the back of my helmet. And it broke my helmet. And uh, so... All I think is that I just came in and just did some flips or something, but I was knocked yeah. out for like I was knocked out for like thirty minutes. And wait, so so you remember flaring? Yeah, you must have just went right out then. You must yeah, have I just remember, hit and then 
I remember flaring and then I remember waking up and thinking I was in Arizona. And and the time by this time, you know, they they, they determined it was about a thirty minute time I was knocked out based on the the events because everybody else who who was hurt, most everybody else was hurt from the, the landing, but yeah, they all derigged and went to the assembly area. And, and they were waiting for me. And I was still laying on the ground somewhere. Um, so the medic, uh, a good buddy of mine, Carl Nicholson, ended up giving me a shot of Toradol in the ass and then kind of brought me back to back to life. And then I grabbed control of the birds and then we continued the mission and then walked out by sunlight. We didn't make it as far as we were supposed to, but we made it enough to where we could get picked up by helicopter. And then that was that was it. Um, there was Everybody's there was we were nearly compromised, but not. Yeah. So out on the DZ or in route? In route to the mission. Well, oh, so okay. from the DZ up until what we were doing on the on the mountain, and then because um, there's a bunch of go herders up there, right? Yeah. So, everywhere. Always. Everywhere. <laughs> so, they, I mean, they, they were literally like they saw him, and they're like, "Are we gonna have to kill this guy? Like, what are we gonna do? Like, yeah, keep being compromised." But they didn't, and we were successful in the mission. Good, good but, deal. Yeah, I think I think yeah. uh, I don't know for sure, but I know that that you know Jason Quisenberry's Q, he's mm-hmm. he was like one the first one I think, and I don't know if anybody's. I'm sure there's been a lot in the past, you know, but just for attack peas, I don't know of of anybody else. I can't think of anybody else besides the two of you that, uh, uh, and I there might be, but I, I don't know about it. You know, right. what I mean, I mean, you know, there, there's, a, there's lots of guys doing stuff all the time, so. I'm not naive yeah. to think that nobody else has. I just don't know them. Maybe guys out of brag or something that we don't know about. Right. And there's, yeah. you know, there's, and that's not be said, like you said, it's not unheard of. It's just not common. Sure. 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 So, you know, what is common though? Like you said that you said the jump was kind of hard. I know Q was telling me about his jump and his was kind of the same way. I know a guy got hurt pretty bad on it. He, he, there was high winds or he something was, I mean, it wasn't, it seems like those kind of jumps while cool in our mind, they're not the easiest things to do. I mean, they're very difficult jumps to do because, you know, you know, all the planning that goes into and training and then just to like pick some place out in the middle of the desert and be like, okay, we're going to jump into there. I mean, you can really screw yourself up if you land incorrectly, as you, as you well know, uh, you know, if you don't land right, it's, it can be bad, man. Right. And, you know, for context, it wasn't like we were just landing in the desert. Like we were in the mountain range. So we had to find a spot in the middle. Of, Which is even worse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> you know, so. I know we but, used to try to like find austere drop zones to kind of practice that kind of thing. But I don't think anything's like what you did. You know what I mean? Like it, that's just a different scenario it was i'll tell you what though it was cool though because even though we were jumping to like seventeen thousand, the tz was at like it was high it was nine thousand something like that you know and yeah. uh, but i remember coming down the mountain and only being like like i'm still thousand thousand feet of elevation but i'm only 200 feet above the mountain and i'm kind of riding the mountain down the hill as i'm falling yeah. it was a, a nice thing that would have been a cool ride man for sure I was cool, love right? doing that. I was love doing hey hoes. What um what back up a little bit? What so what kind of did you have any like um like residual effects from that injury or were you just like it sucked at the time, but then you kind of you get the tour it all and then you're like okay now I'm good or have you had any? Well, yeah, man. So I yeah, so I come of? off the 
there's a picture out there that exists that I haven't, I've seen it, but I haven't, I don't have a copy of it. Um, yeah. of us standing there. As soon as we got back to Kandahar, they took a picture of us. My face is just bloody and <laughs> dirty. And, um, but I, they sent me back from Kandahar. I went back to Bagram and got checked out like the next day. And mm-hmm. that's like, how you feel? Like, yeah, I feel fine. All right. You're good to go. Return to duty. And so then, right on. So then, I get back. I get back home station, and go back in the training cycle. I'm doing a level one train up. Everything's good. And then I'm due for my fight, my annual flight physical. And mm-hmm. the doc, you know, at the time there was a guy. I think his name was Doc Wright. He was he was famous for keeping guys on status. Like he would do everything he can to make sure you could do the mission. I was like, yeah. hey, I gotta. I'm about to do this annual physical. What do I? say and not say it's like what do you mean i'm like yeah i tell him stories like well you don't have to make anything up because i'm a nephew right now i was like oh shit so i was trying to <laughs> find a way to stay on on status and he did me on the spot and i had to go to fort gordon i think it was and do like this tbi testing stuff and uh yeah ultimately i ended up with a moderate tbi and um i had to be on a waiver for like every other year I had to go get reevaluated at these clinics, yeah, stay yeah. on a waiver. You know, we but, talked about that all uh, in the past too with some guys. And at the time that's the part is not being on status. But then now, as we look back on it and you sitting here, it's probably a good thing he did that, you know, like that's, that's a, you're probably thankful that he said, all right, hold on, let's go get this thing checked out because it could have been a lot worse or it could have gotten a lot worse later on. So, yeah, where he got me was, uh, he was like, "Do you want to end up like Muhammad Ali?" And I was like, "Nope." You know, <laughs> no, I don't. And yeah, he's like, if you had any kind of bleeding on the brain or anything, and you don't address it, he was this. You could be like this. I'm like, all right, I'll go get checked out. Yeah. But you know, I mean, from a JTAC perspective, I got the NIF, so I couldn't control and I couldn't jump. Right. Which is like the worst. Yeah, exactly. Nobody ever like, wants to, to so be in that situation. What, good am I to the team if, if my sole job is that right right and they kept me in it for like two months two to three months so that was yeah. cool but like you said in the end state I'm glad that he did it and that's yeah. in your records and now you can you know because if, yeah, if, if you my 20 percent from the VA for a moderate <laughs> TBF exactly well you wouldn't have got that if you wouldn't have if you would have hit it you know I mean then later on you got to try to tell the VA no no it really happened I just you know it's just a big mess. So yeah, it's kind of nice. It's kind of good. It's good in the long run that the guy made you get it all checked out and everything. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy about it. So then you went. You were um, so you did you leave the 17th from RD or RC? Yeah, yeah, I did. So okay, and and this was a time when we I don't know the right answer, but you know we we faced it. The, the the issue you face with RD is. And it, it may be different now because guys go to selection now and they do OTC and stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, for us, you had to spend time in battalion and then you could go to R&D. So by the time right. you got there and did a couple of years, you had been in the unit five, six, eight years. You know, guys foster 10 years. And, yeah. and that's a lot of deployments and time away from home and all that stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, and my lovely wife, you know, at the time, me and her had – like a, a newborn and a 15 month old. And so right. she's like, yo, all these deployments. She, she basically said, I feel like a prostitute babysitter. 
you come into town, we bang out, pack your bags, and I watch your kids. She's like, you know, I didn't know this is what I was signing up for. Because I told her yeah. when we first got together, it's like, hey, are you are – you? she never dated a military guy before. She was a young girl. She was only 20 years old. And uh, I was like, I want to make sure that you could – that you know what you're getting into, right? And so I told her I wouldn't marry her until she made it through two deployments in ranger school. And so I did deployment, went to ranger school in between deployments, and then deployed again. And, you know, I was like, all right, well, she seems solid. But, she stuck around. But you, so still, like- you stuck around, and then, then you still get the ultimatum. And you're like, hey, man, this isn't, you know, not ultimate to the point of like, hey, you really need to find something else to do. And by this time, they were going to replace me with Justin Foles, but his replacement didn't show up. So he had, I had to wait like another year because he didn't get backfilled, you know, and ultimately like you're just, you get burnt out, you know, you're like, Hey, I just, I just want, I need a break. I need one deployment off. Yeah. And Tom, Tom was just talking about that the other day. Yeah. He said the same thing. And we, I think we all feel that way. Yeah. And, and when you factor, like if you go deployment, range school deployment, you know, all the training that you do back in the rear, there's just no time off. I mean, even when you were home, you were doing three weeks on the road, TDY. And then the fourth week, you'd be at the range doing night shooting. So you really weren't spending quality time anyways, you exactly. know, at home. So, um, and that's the nature of the beast. But, you know, just having one time where you could be home for a couple, like four months, and that would have been good. And we just didn't have that ability to do that because nope. demanding yeah, we demanding time. Yeah, we had just enough men, if not – we some at the, optimally we had just enough men to fill all the squares, you know, to to meet all the missions. And sometimes we didn't even have that. And some guys had to, you know, like Tommy was talking about, he had to like cover for other guys. I picked up, guys and, yeah, I had to know. pick up for Matty Green because he uh, he went to selection. Right, right. So yep, you know, and that was you know that's just like we said, it's just the nature of, of what it was dealing with. So so I looked for another job at that point, and uh, and I was able to to get a job down at Herbert Field down at seven twentieth. Nice. And that was my first Air Force base. So about 15 years into my career, I got to see my first Air Force duty station. Right. I know it's so odd for TACPs. People, I don't know if people know this, but like a TACP normally is at an Army post with an Army unit. Um, There's a few, a select few. I think there's more now. There's starting to be more and more Air Force uh, assignments. But yeah, for the most part, we spend the majority of our our time at, at Army posts. But so the 720, were you working the fire shop at the group or what were you yeah, doing? Yeah, I was, there, a, I was like the chief fire at the fire shop. And then I moved around, um, went to future ops and current ops, and then ultimately moved over to the 24 and stuff, the wing, when the wing stood up. And I had yeah. like the JTAC position at the wing. Um, and then from there, it's when I got into like, I had to manage contract cast. So I had, I was one of the one of the not the first. The first was like JC created it, then Matt Green managed it a little bit, and then I replaced him. Um, is in managing contract close air support. Mm-hmm. So, so I did that. That was kind of like the main job, and then yeah, yeah. from there, you know, I I decided to pull the trigger, and I was I was totally planning on taking the CSRB, staying to twenty five, you know, and yeah, yeah. but. Frankly, I didn't like the way the Air Force was trending. Um, and, you know, to be to be blunt, like I did, our mission is to fight our enemies, foreign and domestic. Right. And right. and what I saw was us being more of a social experiment, like some of the, the, the society norms were filtration into the military. 
Yeah. And I was not such a fan of that. And yep. so it was time to go at that point. Yeah. We talk so about that quite a bit at work. It's just uh, the people forget what, like you said, people forget why we have a military. I mean, it's not to, um, it's not a place for everybody. It's not a place to, so everybody can feel good about themselves all for the most part. You know, it's a place where you are, you, you follow the orders of the officers above you in order to meet with and destroy the enemy. You know I mean? That's essentially what the military is. And I, I think while we're doing, like you said, while we're doing all these other things besides training for combat, our adversaries are, that's only what they're doing. You know, they're only training for combat. So it's not only are we maybe getting a little weaker, but it seems like they are, they're getting stronger, you know, no? so it's, it's, I can see your point, man. It's very, it's kind of disconcerting that that were in that regard. So it was, it worked out for me. And I was, at, I was at my 20 year point. I was like, I think I retired actually like 20 years and seven months. And, nice. and you know, there, there was more to the factor that it wasn't just that it was also that, you know, I was facing, you know, as you move up in, in AFSOC, there's only so many senior spots that you can be at. Right. And they had just filled the senior spot and I was facing having to go back to, you know, I think my options were bliss, hood or drum. And I was like, mm. Or I yeah. can just retire and go do something else. Yeah. You get your so retirement. I I you can get a, get a yep. good, you know, yeah. What'd you, what'd you get end up first doing? This? The first job? Well, when I retired, I, uh, I took a year. I actually became a, uh, I went and got my Coast Guard license and became a uh, captain on a boat. So, so I got a 50 no ton master captain. Yeah. So I'm a 50 ton master captain. And, and I was really? working as a captain on the boat, yeah. And on the side, I was doing um, – so that was, like, my main job. And then on the side, I was doing uh, – I started a business, and I was doing, like, construction work for Pet Boys. Okay. So um, my father-in-law, is, he runs, like – he's a facility manager for Carl Icahn, and they run, like, Pet Boys and uh, Auto Plus and these different things. And, and I would just, hey, go – go put a water fountain in here. Hey, put a sink in here. So I, uh, I thought it'd be cool to learn those different trades and, sure. you know, it paid okay. So, so I did those two jobs. But, you know, what'd you do as a boat captain? Like what did you, did people, do you charter the, like, do you have a boat charter or like, what'd you guys do? Yeah. So I worked on a, on a 70 foot Italian yacht and <laughs> really? we would do, yeah, we would do charters for uh, mostly the owners. So yeah. there was like, there was like six or seven owners and they would come in and just charter once in a while. And then a lot of it's just boat maintenance and, you know, taking out. Oh, so you, owners you mean like seven go. guys owned one yacht. Right. Yeah. Okay. Cause okay. I'm not sure if you're when, yachting is expensive. Like, I was going to say, it's a, yeah, different, yeah. it's a different level of cost. And, and it's like owning an airplane in the aspect yeah. of, I mean, every oh, time we filled up, it was like it was like eight thousand dollars to fill up, and and this was only a seventy foot boat. You know, this isn't one of the big, you know, hundred plus boats. But you know, we would go to Key West, and and it was five hundred dollars a night to dock, and to just sit you down there a week. And it's just the cost is of of yachting is next a level lot. money. Yeah, next level money. And then when you got a maintenance, I mean, I remember, I remember we spent like one hundred twenty thousand dollars fixing the engines one time, and it was just. And it wasn't even like an overhaul. It was just work done to, to fix the engines. Just like basic maintenance stuff. Well, it, yeah, there was, you know, everything's more expensive. 
yeah. and everything. You know, these were running MTU motors, so they're out of Germany. So all the parts had to come from Germany. Nothing's ever on standby. And, yeah. you know, for a while, the boat was in Fort Lauderdale. And Fort Lauderdale's, you know, it's kind of rich man's playground there. Yeah. And, but that was cool. I mean, I got, to, I got to do some cool little trips on that. Yeah. Just wait a minute. So backing up, speaking of boats, weren't, weren't you on that trip with Maddie and Kevin and uh, oh, yeah. his brother? <laughs> yes, I was. <laughs> I, I want to get everybody on. I want to hear, I want that story out, but I don't know who to tell it. I mean, I know it's. I Nobody can tell it better than Kevin. Because <laughs> no. Kevin is the best storyteller there is. Oh, yeah, yeah. But Did you see his episode? I, no, I haven't seen it yet. I mean, you should check it out. It's good. It's good. Um, uh, he's, all right, so I'm sure he – did he tell you that story? No, I, I just remember it from you guys. I was there. You know, I was – I I wasn't there, but you know what I mean? Like, you guys got back, right. and it's like – told me all about so, it. So the gist of that story is Maddie. you know Maddie. He, like, wants to live off the grid, right. and he loves that stuff. So he bought himself a sailboat. He's like, I'm going Daddy, you don't you don't know how to sail. He's like, I got sailing for dummies. So he bought sailing for dummies, <laughs> got a sailboat, and then invited his brother down, and then Kevin and me and yeah. our wives took us to Panama City. It was actually like it's past Panama City, like Mexico Beach, Port St. Joe is where it was at yeah. Port St. Joe. And drop us off at the marina. And they're like, You guys are idiots, but we love you, so <laughs> here you go. And we sail it takes us like three days to sail the boat back to full walton beach wait i thought you were down i thought it was southern florida but you were only over in panama city yeah, yeah we were in panama city but it was still adventurous <laughs> let me tell you that makes it even better <laughs> yeah it took us three days to get there's two and a half days for sure so we come out go out to pass the panama city and then get in the intercoastal and sail back to intercoastal and i mean just some random adventures that we had we ran the boat aground twice um hey at that time just real quick how many had any sailing experience for you yeah not one not not one bit we were still in the military this was like a weekend trip yeah and uh no they they had the they had the sailing for dummies guide and then you had kevin with an he was at least smart enough to bring an ipad with some charts on it and then um but, you know, after being a captain, I learned a lot. There's rules of the road. You know, yeah. there's so many things that you, like, that what you didn't follow. Are, oh, yeah. Oh, not at all. Like, <laughs> the different buoys, the channels, the what the different flags are and the lights and, you know, what you're supposed to do when you're mooring. We didn't do any of it. Um, <laughs> so. What was the idea, like, just to follow the, the coastline? It'd be like, all right, Panama City is no, up so there. So we didn't want to go just this way the coastline. We, we came out. We, we, were, we were in the ocean for a little bit, but then we got back in the intercoastal. And you can take the intercoastal from Panama City all the way to Destin. To the, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's a nice little trip, but it, it's, it gets sporty in some areas. And, yeah. um, but it was. Plus, I think, it, it, do you think, let me ask you this. Do you think it would have been easier had uh, anybody been sober at all during the whole trip? Or <laughs> Well, we ran out of. <laughs> So we ran out of uh, alcohol by the end of the day, like day one and a half. And Maddie's brother had brought like, he had three gallons of wine. I had brought four handles. Um, we had beer. And it was all gone by by the end of day two. Um, oh, and, the, and the toilet broke. The toilet broke on the boat too. So we had to oh. use 
over the better use facilities outside the boat, <laughs> you know. Um, oh, and then when we, got, when we finally got into the harbor, we pulled in Destin Harbor and we're spending the night because it was too late to finish the trip into Fort Walton. Yeah. And we're sitting there and we could smell McGuire's. We're like, oh my God, we're going to go get McGuire's. We have, think about this. We're like three days in the sun, not showered. And we were trying to get off that boat and go to McGuire's. And we almost crashed into the pirate boat there. Yeah, yeah. I heard and that. Yeah, it <laughs> Ultimately, we gave up. But you could, and just after we almost hit the pirate boat, that was we're like, all right, we should probably just be done. Um, <laughs> moored for the night. But, but that was one of those trips. It's like, it was fun. I'd love to, I would love to get you all together and just hear about just everybody's account of that thing. Cause it, Oh yeah. Cause I'm sure I forgot about more things. And yeah. You guys telling that when you guys got back, I, it was just, I couldn't stop laughing. It was so amazing. So funny. Yeah. Anytime you do something with those guys, like when we went, uh, we went fishing and we caught a shark. Uh, I remember that. Remember I saw the story? pictures of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you learn that the people's elbow doesn't work. So, <laughs> so my wife literally had a panic attack on the phone. So we're fishing. Quick story. So we're fishing. We're out with like Joe Monet, Kevin. There's another dude. I don't remember who it was and me and Maddie, I think. And, um, I had, we've been catching these little fish all day and I caught like a little teeny, vermilion snapper or something and i was like oh i'm just gonna use that as a free floating bait line so i cast it out the back while we're bottom fishing and i just happened to look back like an hour later and the, the my line was at the back of the boat and i was <laughs> like hmm so i reel it in turn out i had a nurse shark on it was like an eight and a half foot nurse shark was like 300 pounds yeah and so we fight him we're like hey let's just keep it and i wish we would have just let it go but yeah. but we had a they have a shark gaff and a fish gaff and they're like, all right, ready, go. And so they're videoing this too. And they, they hook them with a shark gaff and the fish gaff and it, and it breaks the shark gaff or breaks the fish gaff immediately and bends the shark gaff. And we get the fish up. I'm reaching over. I grab the tail. We get them up in the boat and then he tries to like, the fish tries to like bite Monet. So they drop it in the boat and it's just flopping around in the boat, like breaking fishing poles. And, um, I called you. And, at that moment, so my initial reaction was like, if this thing's flopping around, they're wearing flip-flops, I'm going re- to restrain it. So I just jumped down on it, and I'm, I'm holding it down, and I try to give it the people's elbow to, to maintain it. You know, I'm like, yeah. but that didn't work because apparently that doesn't work. So you right. have to rock about that. And, uh, but right at that time, my wife calls, and she's like, no. Kevin answers the phone, and he's like, hey. She's like, hey, where's Richie at? Uh, he's a little preoccupied right now. She's like, Kevin, you guys are fishing on a boat. How preoccupied can he be? Yeah. And then she video chats me and she sees me sitting on this shark or like <laughs> holding a shark down and she's like, loses it, freaks out about, I don't know. You can, you can be orphanous and just all kinds of things. Oh but, <laughs> yeah. She freaks out. But um, anyways, but, but that's the kind of stories you get into when you hang out with those guys. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah. there might have been a handle of Sailor Jerry's involved in that one also. <laughs> but um, That's what I used to love about, I don't know, like everybody says work hard, play hard, whatever. But, I mean, it really got to that point where, you know, you you kind of 
blew off steam as hard as you worked. You know what I mean? It was like, it was yeah. just, and, and like kind of stuff like that. Like you try to find stuff that was not run of the mill, not just your normal, you know, things that you, you would blow off steam. But yeah. Give me oh, a second man. to adjust this. My battery's like 5%. Okay. Hey, well, no, we can wrap it up. I mean, that, uh, we're kind of towards the end here anyway. Um, yeah, man. I, I, thanks a lot for coming on here. I appreciate it. I know it was kind of, we had, um, I know you're out of town, so I, I can't thank you enough for making the time to, you know, to come on here and tell your stories. Cause they're, they're awesome. They're amazing. And, uh, and I, it's good to catch up with you too. Like I, that's the best thing about doing this is I get to talk to all you guys and like, you know, touch base with you after however many decades, you know, almost from, from last time we talked. So I appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man. Yeah. All right. All right, man. All right. Lindsay, good talking to you. You too. <laughs> good to Thanks. good to see you. You too. All right. All right, Richie, Thanks. man. I'll see you later. All right. Okay. All right. Later, bro.